Hi friends, I'm Tim Viegas from the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education, and you are listening to Think Inclusive, our podcast that brings you conversations about inclusive education and what inclusion looks like in the real world. Have I mentioned that I love making podcasts? And something else that I love is interviewing podcasters. And this week, I want to introduce you to a phenomenal podcaster that is already making waves, not only in the podcast industry, but also with her advocacy. Waves, you know, like audio waves. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Maya Chipkov is the host of the podcast Proud Stutter and a passionate advocate for people who stutter. She is the Media and Democracy Program Manager at California Common Cause, where part of her work focuses on supporting local journalism. Maya is dedicated to raising awareness about stuttering and creating a more inclusive society for individuals who stutter. For this episode, Maya discusses some common misconceptions about people who stutter and her personal experience with stuttering. She shares that people often assume People who stutter are unsure or not confident in what they are saying, or that they are shy. However, Maya emphasizes that she is outgoing and not shy, despite growing up being labeled as such due to her stutter. Maya also discusses the importance of creating a safe and inclusive environment for individuals who stutter, and the need for more education and awareness around stuttering. This week, I'd like to highlight one of the sponsors for our narrative podcast series, Inclusion Stories, Communication First. Communication First is the only nonprofit organization dedicated to protecting and advancing the civil rights of the more than 5 million children and adults in the United States who, due to disability or other condition, cannot rely on speech alone to be heard and understood. Their mission is to protect and advance the rights, autonomy, opportunity, and dignity of people with speech-related disabilities through public engagement, policy and practice reform, and systemic advocacy. Learn more at communicationfirst.org. We've got a great conversation for you today that will help all of us to think inclusive. Stick around till the end for the mystery question and for free time This week, we are giving you the first five minutes of our new podcast series, Inclusion Stories. We'll be back after a quick break. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Maya Chupkov, thank you for joining us on Think Inclusive. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, me too. Maya and I have gotten to know each other a little bit with various podcasting activities, communities, you know, who have disabled creators in them. And so I'm just really excited to have a, you know, a conversation around stuttering. So to jump off, why don't um, you tell our listeners what are some just common misconceptions about people who stutter? Yes. Yeah, so um, some common misconceptions about stuttering is that we, um, we don't really know what we're trying to say because often our speech, there's a lot of pausing and thinking about our words and trying not to stutter. So that can sometimes come off as, you know, we're unsure or not confident. Um, and also another misconception is that we're shy, which is probably my my least favorite one because I g- grew up being called shy because I would shy away from certain social s- situations because of my stutter. And I feel like for those who really know me, know that I'm the opposite of shy. And so those are some just very top of mind ones that are coming up right now. Yeah. So, so you are not shy. Like, well, I don't really know this about you, you know, either way, but you would, how would you describe yourself as far as like a personality? Yeah, I would say I'm, I'm very outgoing. I'm a people person. I love, um, like my fa- my favorite part of my current job is just building re- relationships with others and really working together towards a s- solution. And so um, I'm a very much relationship oriented person. Um, but at the same time, another thing I've realized is that I also, because so much of, um, you know, my podcasting stuff and my day job is that I'm constantly talking and having to, you know, be in a lot of social situations that I really need my alone time as well. So I would say the cliche thing that I hear a lot is I'm a extroverted introvert, maybe. (laughs) I I think that is a I think that's a trait among podcasters um that that in general uh, I would also describe myself as like an extroverted introvert um very much a people person love having conversations um there's something about like 
a one-to-one conversation and or like a one-to-two conversation, but like when you add a third or a fourth person, then I become like much more quiet. So I don't know if that is the same for you, but... Yes, exactly. That's exactly me, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, sometimes we'll be in like, you know, parties or big groups and, and, um, you know, they are just looking at me like, well, you know, what, like, what's going on? What are you thinking? Like, why are you so quiet? (laughs) (laughs) "Ah." (laughs) I just like to, I actually like to listen. I think that's probably one of the reasons why I like podcasting so much too, is because you have this really like dedicated time that you're listening to another person. And I just, I just really like that. So, um, anyways, uh, uh, while I'm thinking of it, you mentioned your day job. I don't know. Is that something that you wanted to share? Like what what you do? Sure. Yeah. I, so I work at California common cause, which is a good government, nonpartisan, nonprofit. Um, we're national, but I work for the California team. So um, my policy area that I do a lot of analysis and and, and policy work is around local journalism. And so part of my job is to build coalitions so we can pass really amazing policies to help support local journalism, which actually has a lot of intersections with, with podcasting because um, there are a lot of local journalism podcasts out there. And a lot of media people also have, have podcasts and so um, there's, it's definitely nice to have that overlap. Yeah. And uh, the, you were, I think Common Cause was um, part of the, is it the California State Legislature uh, doing something about stuttering awareness? Like, tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, so that was, that was kind of outside my California, the common cause hat. Um, mm-hmm. But I did use a lot of the skills that I've learned from like being around policy and comms fields to really um, take that and really implement it towards stuttering. And so, um, so yeah, that was completely separate, but very much adjacent to what I do in my day job. Um, so it's really nice to kind of be able to build re- relationships within the California legislature around not only the democracy issues, but also disability justice um, issues as well. Right, right. Uh, was it that they... Um recognized a week of stuttering awareness or a day or what was that? Yeah. So we worked with the um, future speaker of the assembly. He's getting sworn in on um, in a few days. And so he, we, I learned, and actually I was partnering with um, my friend, Johnny Pina, who also stutters. He lives in Sacramento and he's a lobbyist there. So we were able to team up and really get this going. And so we both learned that um, assembly member Robert Revis stutters himself. And so we thought we 
could partner with him on California Recognizing Stuttering Awareness Week, which is the second week of May every year. And so we did a lot of planning. It took a lot of time and effort, but we were able to get California to um, officially recognize Stuttering Awareness Week. And we went up to Sacramento and did a press conference and invited a bunch of people who stuttered and also allies within the disability justice movement. And it was just the most amazing experience. That's fantastic. Um, Wonderful, uh, wonderful advocacy. Um, Really, really grateful for your work. Uh, Tell us about the decision to, you know, make a podcast you know, and, and call it proud stutter, <laughs> you know, like what's, why was it important for you to make this podcast? Uh, and also, you know, why audio instead of like, you know, TikTok or YouTube or something like that? Yeah, I chose podcasting as my medium of choice because I thought it would be the easiest to just start doing, um, and so I found so many resources online and so many groups that are just helping people start podcasts. And so I was like, okay, like I can do this. And um, it was really daunting to do it on my own. So I was talking to a few people to kind of see like who would want to do it with me. And one of my best friends, Cynthia Chin, um, we decided to, to take this on together. And so having it be like a team effort really helped me kind of just do it. Um, and so that's why I chose podcasting. Stuttering didn't really come into the mix until my husband, Kyle, um, he was thinking it'd be a good topic. And at first I was like, hmm, interesting. And then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh my God, that would be so cool. But the one issue about it is I've never talked to like like anyone really about st- stuttering, only like a few people. So I kind of needed to explore that part of myself before I was ready to just share it out with the world. So mm. slowly, slowly, I started talking to more and more people about it. And after each conversation, I just felt so much lighter and more myself than I've ever felt. And so it was really just this, it was beyond podcasting at that point. It was more about really sharing my authentic self in a way I've never done in my life. Like I I did therapy throughout my life, like self-help with the therapy and like that's never come up and that's how deep it was hidden that I wouldn't even talk to my therapist about stuttering. And so... It was really just this perfect combination of like wanting to do a podcast and having this self-discovery moment. So, yeah. Yeah. So it sounded like it came at the right time for you. Yes. Perfect time. Yeah. Well, what was, you know, your experience, um, you know, as a stutterer, uh, you, you said, you know, in your therapy sessions, it didn't really come up. So is that something that was really on top of mind for you? Or did you really, have you felt like excluded because of your stuttering? Like how, like, what was that like? Yeah, I think if I really dig down 
deep, which I've been able to do through this podcasting experience. It's really been its own form of therapy. I I am realizing that I was so ashamed of my stutter that I just didn't want to talk about it to anyone because the more I talked about it, the more real it was, the more it was part of my, it was part of me. And so I did feel a lot of exclusion because of my stuttering, but I just never acknowledged that. Um, But looking back, I definitely was singled out a lot in the classroom and jobs, all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's been, it wasn't something that I was ready to talk about until very recently. I I remember listening to one of your podcast episodes. I, I think it was something about the psychology of like the response to stuttering. I'm I'm probably getting that title wrong, but um, you and your guest mentioned like as a stutterer, when you're talking to somebody, they get this look, <laughs> you know. And so I'm wondering if you can explain that a little bit more because. I've certainly had people in my life who stutter. um, And now I'm wondering, am I giving that look? (laughs) I mean, I'm the culprit of that too. Like I can tell you that when I see someone that's, let's say, missing an arm, like I stare and it's like, it's something that as soon as I notice it that I'm doing, I catch myself and I, you know, but like there's, but what I learned through that episode is that our body is set up psychologically to respond to things that we, that are kind of surprising and shocking. It's just a natural response. And so with stuttering, a lot of people, when they experience stuttering for the the first time, they, there's a look that is given. And it's really just this psychological thing that's happening that just everyone, that's just what it is. And so um, the more we're aware of that natural response, I think the the more we can like help train ourselves not to respond that way. And so um, it really made me think that I can give people a break when it happens, but also use it as an opportunity to educate. So it's like, there's these two feelings happening at the same time where I'm like annoyed, but I'm also understanding. Mm. And so, um, so that's really what I learned from that that episode. And the look is something that I hear over and over again that people experience so it's it's definitely a very common experience. I think every single person who stutters has experienced it and will continue to experience it, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. um, well, we, we've talked about, you know, you feeling excluded uh, because of your stuttering or because of the way people have responded to it. But has there been a time where you've really felt included or accepted? Yes, I am so happy that Common Cause, my work family, has accepted me with open arms ever since I started. So that's been 
the first workplace where I feel like if I stutter, it's not going to be like, oh, you're not prepared or you need to sound a certain way. Um, especially like I'm talking to f- funders and I even tell them like, hey, I s- stutter. Um, and I, I and I have a lot of like very high stress situations where I have to communicate a certain way. But I've really learned how to be my authentic self and stutter openly while also um, getting my point across, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. And not everyone fully understands stuttering. There's only so much educating I can do within a conversation. But I've definitely started to like to, to, to develop that sweet spot of like, um, you know, being comfortable sharing. Yeah. Um, so I have a friend who has a Tourette syndrome. Um, and something that he mentions, he's a, he's a big advocate for, uh, education and, and, and something that he talks about is that it, uh, his vocal tics and not only vocal, but like physical tics increase under stress. And so does that also happen with, with stutters? I wouldn't say it happens with all stutters, but for me, it does definitely. Um, there's been very stressful moments in my life where my stuttering is increased. So I would definitely agree with that. Um, that the more, pressure that you put on yourself that often results from stress for me, the more I stutter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and what are some ways to, I guess, um, like if you have a stutter in your life, um, or, or you are experiencing that yourself, um, what are some ways to help with that? Yeah, I think, um, First and foremost, it's similar to the psychology conversation we were just having is just be aware of your face and how you're reacting to stuttering because um, that can be very triggering for a person who stutters. Um, So that's one. And two, just be patient, like let them finish their sentences that doesn't apply to everyone because some people that I've spoken with actually like when people help them out with certain words. Um, Mm. So it's definitely a spectrum. Um, But for me, I don't like when people try to finish my sentences. Um, So that's two. And then the third one I would say is um like i like when people ask questions about my stutter so to just be to acknowledge it is fine like but for certain other people that they're like just just don't even just listen and that's it but i like talking i'm more comfortable talking about it so if people ask me about it i'm like thank you for asking (laughs) Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you have like a, a question you get the most often? Um, I wouldn't say a question, but something because I do often pass as fluent because I'm really good at hiding my stutter. So when I when I tell the people I have a stutter, they're always uh, like a very common response I get is, oh, I haven't heard that. Like, did you overcome it? Um, and so <laughs> that's always something that I'm like, I really try to be compassionate, understanding, and I don't want to be mean but sometimes i'm just like no i didn't over- overcome it i like struggle with it every day <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah oh, um i it, it reminds me of the uh you know we've had uh guests on and people that i know that are autistic and they'll say people say you don't look autistic <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think there, there may be some parallels there, but, um, um, I, I want to congratulate you because, um, I just heard, well, from you and, you know, from uh, reading press releases and stuff that, uh, you were awarded some funding for a documentary series. So I would love, um, for our audience to know more about that. Yes, it's definitely one of the biggest milestones we've had so far. Um, and yeah, so the the grant is from the California Humanities, um, which is a very competitive grant. Um, it's part of their documentary, documentary production grant, um, which doesn't go to podcasts very often. But I, I did get... Um, 35k from them to create an audio documentary series on Californians who stutter. And so I'm, I'm in the middle of that and how it's going to be structured is the story arc is past present and and future. And each theme is going to be, focused on one geographic area of California. And so some of the examples of what we'll be exploring is Hollywood, which is going to be in the past section. There's this woman, um, her name is Marion 
Davies and she was a silent film actress who stuttered that had to make the transition to sound. So that's one of the um, episodes. And then we have another one where it focuses on the history of the stuttering movement, which happened in the Bay Area. So that's just a little sneak peek on sounds some of the, the themes, but it's just so fun, like digging into all these stories, seeing which ones just kind of intersect. And um, it's been really fun. It's it's a little overwhelming because I've never done anything like this, but it's a three-year grant, so I have a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're going to need it, <laughs> which is which is great. Which is great. Um, and what about just in general, like with podcasting and, you know, Proud Stutter, um, like what are your, what are your hopes? What are your dreams? Like, where do you want to take this? Yeah. So I definitely want to do more advocacy um, around policy um, to really, you know, make lives easier and safer for people who stutter. Um, and I also want to just um, educate as many people as, as possible about stuttering, whether it be through the podcast, through these documentary projects, um, through speaking engagements at podcasting conferences or others like that's I just really want to be in as many spaces as possible so I can just keep spreading the word um because it's really sad that we're still living in a world where stuttering is made fun of openly and no one really says anything about it like and I think the disability the justice movement has come a long way um where there is that pushback and if anyone says anything about certain disabilities it's like immediately you're like canceled or whatever but when you make a stuttering joke in a, a tv episode it's a, it's still a funny joke that's really interesting um do you mind if i ask and we can cut this if you want um like what what um what was the thing that made you come out or no, no, no I don't, don't like the way that that <laughs> didn't like the way that it came out. Uh, what was the thing that changed? Cause you said a couple of years ago, you said you began to self-identify. I think it was the first time I ever came out to someone or to a group of people that I, that didn't really, that, they weren't like my friends, but they were acquaintances that I've been meeting with over like several years. And I, it was people that I really respected and looked up to. And it's, it's people that I really, really cared about what they thought of me. And so I would put on, so I, I would never talk about my stutter because I just thought that was a negative thing that I didn't want out there. And when I opened up, to them for the first time about stuttering, that's when that was a light bulb moment for me because they they just understood me so much more after that. 
And these are people that knew me, but didn't really know me. And so it was this realization that I can have these relationships, but really having relationships where I'm totally open about my stutter really just makes it just, um, it really made me feel that I was having these surface level relationships for my whole life because I was hiding such a big part of myself. So that moment really made me realize that I need, like, I need to have this feeling more of like showing who I really am. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, how can people who are listening support what you're doing with Proud Stutter? Or I don't know if you are ta- taking donations for the documentary. Like, how can people support your work? Yeah, so we are going to be starting a crowdfunding campaign for the audio the documentary. Um, but in the meantime, you can go to proudstutter.com slash donate to su- support the or- organization. Um, I am still doing my regular Proud Stutter episodes while I'm doing th- this documentary. So um, so all that su- support will either go into making more great content for the podcast and the the documentary another way you can support that involves no money whatsoever is just share share the podcast with like five of your friends and tell them to check it out so those are my two ways of that you can support the show fantastic and uh, you did mention um a couple people in our conversation but who else should we be listening to reading um, if we want to know more about stuttering? I So there's one book um, by Laura Gabriel. Um, it's a, a bi- biography on Mar- Marion da- Davies. Um, so if you just type in Laura G- Gabriel, L-A-R-A, Gabriel and Marion Davies, it should pop up. Um, So that's one book. And then the other book, which I already mentioned, is Life on Delay by John Hendrickson. Um, I think those two books are a great way to kind of understand the stuttering experience. Fantastic. And um, we have a lot of teachers who listen to Think Inclusive. So, you know, we, we didn't really get into your school experience, but I would love to know if, you know, if you were able to, you know, talk to them directly, what do you hope educators would take away from this conversation? Yeah. So we actually interviewed an elementary school, a teacher who stutters. um, And she, and that episode is like, that really has everything you need to know about how to teach someone who stutters. So I'm happy to share that episode with you. Um, But for the purposes of this interview, I will say to just dedicate time in the year where it's just you talk about stuttering, like whether it's around 
um, starting awareness week or national starting awareness day. Um, just open the conversation to your classes and just say like, Hey, I just, you know, this is, um, stuttering is, well, I don't know, but, um, but that would be my recommendation because if I had a teacher that talked about stuttering in that way as a young kid, I really think it would have made me feel more comfortable with my stutter. Um, so that would be one of the the, the takeaways um, that I would have for for that. Um, and I also have bookmarks um, that have some stuttering how tos on them. So they're free. So if you want me to mail you one or a few, like that's also a three source what? that I have. Free bookmarks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Is that, uh, is that on your website or does somebody have to email you or how's that work? So it's not currently <laughs> something I like share out for everyone, but, but since we are talking about the teachers, like it's just a great way. So you can email me at info at proudstutter.com and I can send you a few. Okay. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, you're not going to get a hundred emails, but uh, you know, we do want people to at least <laughs> listen and share Proudstar, um, especially if you're an educator. So, thank you for sharing that. Coming up next, the mystery question. Are you up for a mystery question, Maya? Yes. Okay. So I have a stack of cards. They're from Poddex. And um, I pick a random question and then we both answer it. So it's super easy. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Um, were you ever really passionate about something and then suddenly lost interest? If so... What was it? Wow, that is an amazing question. <laughs> that is an amazing question. Do you want me to go first? Yes. Okay. Um, the only thing that comes to mind right now, I think there's a number of things that I could say, but I'm going to say <laughs> baseball cards. Okay, so when I was in middle school, my uncle, he was like a stockbroker. I'm going to get some of these details wrong because it was a long time ago, but like, because like he was in like in investments and stuff, like he would go and like buy baseball cards, but like not just like packs of baseball cards, like individual cards of the same person, just a hundred of them. And like, because he, you know, as an investment or whatever. And so I would go with him to these baseball card conventions, uh, in my hometown. And like, I would have my stack of baseball cards in like little sleeves and I'd go around, I tried to sell cards and I tried to, you know, buy cards. And like, I think through, I guess his influence, I was like always thinking about 
how much this card is worth, you know, and how much, you know, how much is my collection worth, you know, and I'm pretty sure I at one point cataloged all my cards at one point in like this database. It was like so nerdy. Oh my gosh. And I spent so many hours doing it. And I literally have zero baseball cards right now. Like none. That if they're wow. all gone, I sold them all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably one because I was so into that. So into that. Yeah. What about you? Okay. So this is probably not as good as your answer, but the thing that comes to mind is I was a very competitive volleyball player when I was young, like 12 and 11, I went to the, the junior Olympics um, in volleyball, which is like, wow. Yeah. It was very intense and I was so into it and I wanted to like go all the way, you know, I just, that was like my dream. And then after my second season of like club and going to the ju ju junior Olympics, I was just so exhausted and I felt like I was just missing out on so much because everything was volleyball. Like I would um, go to practice twice a week and I'd miss out on a bunch of stuff with friends. And, and so I just realized after, and I was 13, like, <laughs> I'm like, I need, like, <laughs> these are like my, like, and so I just realized after those two years that I just, I could, I wanted to do more with my life than volleyball. <laughs> so I went from like doing it and having this dream to just being like, I just want to be a kid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That's so, that's so real, you know, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I, that that happens sometimes. It's like you're like I'm done with this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and well, now awesome. I play. Now I play in like a league every week, and it's like I still have volleyball, but it's just so much more fun. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I'm, yeah, that's great. I'm glad you're still doing it. Yeah, so you still have that outlet. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Maya Chupkoff, thank you so much for being on the Think Inclusive podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you. This was fun. That chime means it's free time. Inclusion Stories is MCIE's new narrative podcast series about families and school districts fully committed to inclusive practices for each and every learner. Please enjoy the first five minutes of chapter one. And after you listen to the episode, search for inclusion stories in your favorite podcast player to follow or subscribe, or you can just click on the link in the show notes. Here we go. If you ever want to feel old, hang out with eight and nine year olds. They have limitless energy. That's Natalia and her sister singing into the microphones I just set up in the Shams living room slash kitchen. You'll meet them in a minute. It's mid-August 
in Georgia. And if you know anything about the South, it's humid and school is starting for many kids in the area. But what you may not know about public schools in the South and across the United States is that there are two educational systems, general education and special education. Now, not everyone is going to explain it like this, but this is the reality for the vast majority of students. I should know, I was a special education teacher for 16 years and spent over a decade teaching in segregated, disability-specific classrooms. I saw firsthand how inequitable our school systems are regarding learners with disabilities. But if you don't already have personal experience with special education, you may not realize why segregating students with disabilities in separate classrooms is a problem. I'm Tim Villegas from the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education, and you are listening to Inclusion Stories, our podcast series that tells the stories of families, educators, and school systems on their journey to full and authentic inclusive education for each and every learner. Chapter one, it is a long story. It's the last few days of the 2022 school year, and I'm waiting for my daughter to come home on the bus. A warm spring breeze is in the air, and the promise of summer is right around the corner. For my daughter, and for nearly everyone in our neighborhood, since the first day of kindergarten, there has never been a question where they will go to elementary school. It's the one closest to our house, practically across the street. But for most families who have children who receive special education services to support disabilities like autism or an intellectual disability, the question of where they will go to school is not so straightforward. Many times the location of the school and what kind of classroom a child is educated in, or even the bus they ride, is based on the characteristics of their disability which is why some families have gone to extreme lengths to have their child included in their home school with their peers that don't have any disabilities. But first, why should you or I care about inclusive education? What does inclusive education mean anyway? And how does a school or district become inclusive? I promise we are going to get to all of that in this series, but right now I want to talk about why inclusive education is important. And in my opinion, there are three main reasons. The first is that it's the law. There is an education law called the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And it says a few really interesting things. And here's some of them. That a learner with a disability should be educated in the same classroom as they would if they didn't have a disability. That special education is a service, not a place. 
and that special services should go to the learner, not the other way around. And if the learner needs modifications to their lessons, like changing it so it's more accessible to them, this should not be a reason to remove them from a general education classroom. The second is the overwhelming amount of research that shows that inclusive education benefits everyone. I mean, I could fill up a whole podcast series just talking about the research, but here is the only finding that you really need to know right now. According to a report published by the National Council on Disability, the opportunity for students to participate in their neighborhood school alongside their peers without disabilities is influenced more by the zip code in which they live, their race, and disability label than by meeting the federal law defining how student placements should be made. And finally, and this one is real simple. It's the right thing to do, y'all. Just hold on to that thought for a second. After a short break, I introduce you to a family that was so desperate to have their child included, they did something drastic. For more information about inclusive education or to learn how you can partner with MCIE on school transformation or professional learning opportunities, visit MCIE.org. Thanks again to Communication First for being one of our amazing sponsors for Inclusion Stories. We could have not done this project without you. Love Think Inclusive? Here are a few ways to let us know. Rate us on Spotify or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Become a patron for extra stuff. In our bonus clip this week, Maya and I talk about an article in The Atlantic about President Joe Biden and his stuttering a book written by a person who stutters, and what it is like to come out as a person who stutters. It's all included if you are a patron. But if you are not, why don't you join these fine people? Thank you to Carol Q, Aaron P, Jarrett T, Joyner A, Kathy B, Mark C, Gabby M, Kathleen T, and Paula W. We appreciate your continued support of Think Inclusive. Think Inclusive is written, edited, designed, mixed, and mastered by me, Tim Viegas. Original music by Miles Kredich. Additional music from Melody. Thanks for your time and attention, and remember, inclusion always works. Well, cool. Um, that was fun. That was fun. Thanks, Poddex. Not a sponsor, but hey. Oh, yeah. Really I was like, good. oh, my gosh. They should sponsor you. <laughs> I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to ask, I think I'm just going to send an email. I'm like, listen, I, I'm repping your stuff every single episode here. So <laughs> I ask for sponsorships all the time and I haven't gotten one yet, but I'm still going to ask. <laughs> hey, all they can say is no, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Um, all right. I'm going to sign us off, but, but don't, don't go anywhere. From MCIE.